You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. Hi, I am Alan Roth, president of Secure America Now, and we are honored to have as our guest today, Colonel Richard Kemp. Colonel Kemp was commander of the United Kingdom's military forces in Afghanistan. He is a British patriot, a great friend of the American people, and an outspoken defender of the Jewish state of Israel. Colonel Kemp is not shy about sharing his opinions. He has published articles in many respected journals and stirred more than one controversy. For, for his military service, he received the coveted award Commander of the Order of the British Empire and the Queen's Commendation for Bravery. It takes a brave man to speak the truth these days. Richard, what do you think of President Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan and why? Well, thank you very much, Alan. And uh, before I answer that question, I'd like to say um, how much I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Um, I know the great work that Secure America does now. Um, Secure America now does even, and um, uh, I appreciate your your fun, fantastic work as well. So thank you again for for having me. Um, I think President Biden's decision was has led to the greatest foreign policy and military catastrophe involving the West since the Second World War. Certainly, without a doubt, this is the greatest disaster in that area than uh, that I can ever remember. It is um, essentially, it's a betrayal, not only of the Afghan people whose suffering we are beginning to witness uh, as our forces and, and those who depend on them uh, finally pull out, but also um, a betrayal of the immense sacrifices made by the American people and by the British people and other Western allies. Uh, the sacrifices include spending vast amounts of money on this campaign, but also in particular for members of the armed forces. They include uh, operating under the most difficult conditions in some circumstances and dangerous conditions. And also for, for many, they sacrifice their life or their health and their well-being. And some people, many, many soldiers in all of our Western armies suffered life-changing wounds during the campaign. And I think just to pull out when the threat hasn't gone away, the threat that we deployed there to counter 20 years ago, the threat of um, Afghanistan being turned again into a safe haven for jihadists that threatened the West, which was the main purpose. We remained there after the destruction of the, or the ejection of the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. That threat hasn't gone away. It's, it's still there. It's still probably stronger now, now that the, this withdrawal has taken place than it was before 9-11. And so I think, you know, that really explains why I, I fundamentally disagree with President Biden's unconditional withdrawal without even asking or expecting anything of the Taliban before we withdrew, taking no notice of security conditions or political conditions on the ground 
just abject, totally disastrous withdrawal. Uh, Richard, uh, President Biden on more than one occasion uh, put the blame on the rise of the Taliban on the Afghani people and specifically the Afghani military. Can you explain, and many Americans uh, are kind of puzzled by the disappearance or the lack of engagement by the Afghani army. What is that particular situation? How did this develop the way it developed militarily on the ground? I can understand. Yeah, I mean, I can understand the confusion that many people face because they're being misled by many of our politicians, including, of course, President Biden. Um, and they, you know, it's a complicated situation. It's, it is hard to understand when you've spent billions of dollars on developing the Afghan National Security Forces, a huge amount of American, British and other soldiers training time in training them to fight. Um, and, and uh, you know, vast quantities of weaponry. It's, it's hard to understand why they did not fight. But I think President Biden saying that uh, basically accusing them of cowardice, I think is a disgrace. It's probably one of the most disgraceful statements I've ever heard from a United States president who should be above that sort of thing. These men and women have fought and died alongside our soldiers for 20 years in Afghanistan. Um, they, they've, they've been extremely brave. 50,000 of them have died fighting the Taliban in the last seven years. That is a phenomenal number out as you can appreciate, a phenomenal number to have been killed in action. And is, is about two thirds the size now of the current British army has been killed. So to accuse them with all that vast number killed and many more wounded, many, many more wounded uh, of, brave, of uh, cowardice is, is shocking. Um, but the reason it happened was, was not because they wouldn't fight, it's because President Biden pulled the rug out from under their feet. These are not like British soldiers or American soldiers. These are very different people. They're very different soldiers. And they do depend, certainly at the moment, they do depend on the backing of the United States of America because they, they recognize that they were fighting a very tough fight. And they recognize that the ultimate guarantor that they would not be completely wiped out was the United States. And then the United States said, we're pulling out. And not only did that deprive Afghan forces of a great deal of the air power that they had so depended upon, the logistics, the technical backing to enable them to operate and maintain the technical equipment that the Americans have provided for them. Not only that, but even more significantly, morale was shredded. Morale is the single most important factor of all in war. It's probably as important as all other factors in war combined. And when you lose morale, you don't fight. And that's a very, that is the principal reason why that, uh, that situation occurred. But in addition to that, these, these are tribal people. They don't see Afghanistan as being a, their country in many cases, not in all cases, but 
they, they, they will fight for their tribes. They will fight for their families. They will fight for their village. But Afghanistan, what is it? They don't really understand what it is. They don't know what it is in many cases. And so the only thing that kept them fighting was, was the knowledge that America was there and behind them. And that did make a big difference to that attitude. And the same applied to some extent to some of the provincial leaders in Afghanistan who in some cases went over to the Taliban side, in some cases just ran away. Because again, they, they kind of took stock. They recognized that while America was behind, was backing Kabul, then they, you know, they, it would make sense for them to have some allegiance to Kabul. But when America withdrew its support, they, they, they kind of read the tea leaves and decided that this was pretty much the end. So I think that's the, those are the, I mean, it's very complicated. There are, there are other reasons, but those are the, the principal reasons, I think, why this happened. Richard, uh, can you uh, begin your answer to this question by explaining where Afghanistan is on the map and why is it um, important in geopolitical terms? Why, why is China interested in, in it, uh, Pakistan, um, Iran? Can you explain its geographic setting to the people? Yeah, I mean, Afghanistan's always been geographically very significant um, in, 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 and strategically significant. And today, probably even more so than ever in history, and it's, you know, it's, it's the most significant neighbours, the most strategically significant neighbours that border on Afghanistan are Pakistan, Iran, China, Russia. Um, and, and because of the proximity and because of the competition to, um, with, with, between India and Pakistan, India also, although it doesn't border on Afghanistan, India um, is very close and features in, in the strategic picture. But essentially, um, I think, you know, and one of, the, one of the reasons why it's so disastrous that we withdrew or are withdrawing from Afghanistan is because it's a strategic central point where the US presence and British presence and other Western allies presence in Afghanistan can have some influence and, and understand the picture better in those countries I just mentioned. And all of those countries are extremely important to our national security and withdrawing from that land. I mean, it wasn't the reason we were there, but it, but it, you know, even since we deployed there, all of those countries became even more, it became even more important that we kept an eye on them. We could do so much more easily from there than we could without Afghanistan. Um, and, and just a few other points worth mentioning. First of all, Pakistan. Pakistan was the most powerful sponsor of the Taliban. While our taxes were paying for aid money for Pakistan, both US and Britain. Um, Pakistan was funding the Taliban and, and directing and arming and supplying the Taliban and sometimes using their combat equipment to help the Taliban in their fight against us. And unfortunately, not sufficient pressure was put upon the Taliban by our politicians and diplomats to, on, on the Pakistan rather. Uh, to change their policy. So it continued for 20 years. Um, and of course, they're now huge beneficiaries of the Taliban's victory because they now will have influence. But one of the problems with, with the situation now, which the Pakistan may come to rue the way that they 
support of the Taliban is that, um, that Pakistan already has a significant and a strong insurgency of its own jihadist insurgency inside its borders. And I think the, the, the victory of the Taliban in neighboring Afghanistan will probably encourage that insurgency and could lead to greater instability inside Afghanistan, uh, inside Pakistan. And let's not forget that Pakistan's a nuclear armed state. So instability in a nuclear armed state is hugely problematic and will, will, will possibly present vast difficulties for the government of Afghanistan, of Pakistan, and also for the rest of the world. Um, in terms of China, of course, China has will it will almost certainly be pillaging Afghanistan for its mineral resources. It will use Afghanistan as a link in its Belt and Road Initiative. It's connected it, Afghanistan and I beg your pardon, uh, China and Pakistan are closely allied and connected. Um, Iran uh, also will um, will use whatever influence it has, and it's also been supporting the Taliban. It's been funding the Taliban to an extent, arming them, allowing them to use Iranian territory as safe space, um, and and Russia as well. So, in all those countries I mentioned, have been funding and supporting the Taliban: Russia, China, Iran, and particularly Pakistan. And and China, believe it or not, China has been paying the Taliban to hunt down Uyghur Muslims, their own faith as the Taliban. They've been hunting, the, they've been paying the Taliban to hunt down Uyghur Muslims and kill them, those Uyghur Muslims who've escaped from China into Afghanistan. Kind of incredible. Uh, why are we, the United States and the UK, why do we fund Pakistan if Pakistan is in fact doing things that are dangerous to our own national security? Well, it's a puzzle to me, um, although in some ways it's, it sort of isn't because there is a, there is a desire to, um, to maintain stability in Pakistan. There's also a desire to maintain, in the broader sense, some kind of friendship with Pakistan, in addition to which in the case of Britain, and I think to a lesser extent in the case of the US, there's a very significant Pakistani diaspora, um, which, you know, I think, again, which likes to see us funding that country. It, it is crazy in a way because Pakistan has a nuclear program. It has various other very expensive military programs that we, in effect, are maybe indirectly funding. So I think, you know, I think it was a, a catastrophic mistake to fund uh, to, to provide aid for for Pakistan, but we do we make the same mistake in various countries around the world. And believe it or not, we in Britain, I sh I'm sure the same probably applies in America. Maybe it doesn't, but we in Britain are funding China with international aid. Incredible. <laughs> uh, how does this withdrawal from Afghanistan impact? the geopolitical landscape for the state of Israel? I think um, it, it impacts the geopolitical landscape for the entire world. And just briefly on that, before I focus on Israel slightly more, I would say that, um, the, you know, President Biden said he was pulling out of Afghanistan in order to partly in order to focus 
effort on uh, on countering Russia and China. But actually, this is having the reverse effect. This will have the reverse effect. Nobody will be happier in this world about what's happened in Pakistan than Russia and China, uh, in Afghanistan, I beg your pardon, than Russia and China. Nobody will be happier. Um, they, they've relish, they, they are relishing the, the humiliation of, um, of the United States of America, NATO and Britain and other countries. Um, and and they they will uh, be they will recognise that our hope to entice some of those countries that are either inside the Chinese sphere of influence or Russian, or uh, are considering moving into the, their sphere of influence, and we had hoped to entice them to join our sphere of influence, to join the West, the democratic sphere. They will they will the Chinese and the Russians know that. But that's a lost cause, really, to a large extent, because many countries that, that, that we were hoping to bring onto our side will be saying, well, why would we do that? These are fair weather friends. They're not reliable. When the, when the going gets tough, they're not going to be around, whereas the Chinese and the Russians are more reliable allies. And I think there's some truth in that if you look at the actions of, uh, of the US, Britain and other countries in, in, in the last few days and months. And... And of course, the Chinese and the Russians, in particular the Chinese, I think, um, have, well, in fact, both, they've, they've, been, they've been pushing the envelope. They've been getting away with as much as they can get away with, as far as they can go in kind of grey zone conflict, under the radar sort of stuff, short of actual conflict, where they can, um, they, they can achieve hits against the West in different areas. And now, and, and now, they will see that the deterrent that they once had, in other words, their calculation as to when the West might react. Um, I think that's changed. And I think they will see us as being weaker than they thought we were before. And therefore, we, they can push their envelope much further to our disadvantage. And in terms of, in, of Israel, I think one of the first things this will do is to embolden Iran even further. Iran has already been emboldened by the nuclear deal with Iran, which, which paved the way to a nuclear weapon, the JCPOA. That emboldened it. Um, and, and, and the decision to take away some of the sanctions from Iran um, and to try and get them back into the nuclear deal after President Trump rightly left it. Uh, they, they, um, this situation that they see now and the weakness of the US and the weakness of the West will mean that they, I think, become even more aggressive throughout the region, including perhaps directly against Israel, because, you know, they, they, they will look, at, look at across to the US, to Britain, et cetera, and see weakness. Um, so I think that's one of the effects that, that we will see from, um, on Israel. And I think, the, you know, the other, the, the other kind of similar position is that um, while it will embolden Iran, it will frighten Saudi Arabia and other Gulf countries, because they, they've already had a lot of support withdrawn from them by President Biden, um, including a failure, failure any longer to support the, the proxy conflict they've got with Iran in Yemen. And, and I think they will, uh, you know, they, they, will, they will be deeply worried. And, that, and, and it could, I mean, one, one plus possibly, and it's a sort of plus in a very big minus situation, is that it might further push these countries towards Israel, who they see really now as probably their only real supporter in the Middle East, uh, or, or the only real, the only country they can depend on, should we say. But, 
but it, but also it might push them towards Russia and China, and we've already got enough leaning towards Russia and China in the Middle East. So I think that's a, a very negative aspect, which will of course impact on on Israel as well. The Biden administration, the president and his secretary of state and his secretary of defense and his national security advisor, they keep pushing the talking point that they pulled out from Afghanistan with the support of, I think they say, 24 countries. Many of them, uh, many of these countries that they're referring to are members of NATO, which have fought alongside of us in Afghanistan. And they say that as a justification for pulling out is that uh, terrorism and terrorist bases have metastasized throughout the world and that Afghanistan is just one of many places and we don't have to have troops on the ground in these other havens for terrorism. So we don't have to have troops on the ground in Afghanistan. What is, what is your take on that particular talking point? Well, I think, I think the, the, the reality of what happened over the last few days proves exactly the opposite, that we do have to have troops on the ground because, like I said before, the threat has not gone away from Afghanistan. And Afghanistan is not like every other ever failed state in the world, every other haven for jihadists. Afghanistan is a very special place for jihadists. Um, and it, it, uh, you know, it's, it, it's long been in Al Qaeda's desire and the Islamic State's desire to, to re-establish, in the case of Al Qaeda, to re-establish their presence there, and in the case of Islamic State, to get to, to establish a greater presence there. They do, they already have that now, uh, and those will strengthen. We will see jihadists pour in from all around the world into Afghanistan, um, and, and you know, it's a country they now control effectively through the Taliban, and the Taliban are. Um, the Taliban are, uh, are now, I think, more likely to be to actually be uh, wanting themselves to attack the West. Before the Taliban, they ruled Afghanistan. They were interested really in Afghanistan. Now there are lots of new, younger Taliban leaders, some of whom have been in Guantanamo Bay, others who've been involved in international jihad in, in places around the world. And they, I think, will, will be more w willing and, and uh, intending to, to attack us. So we've got a country run by jihadists, which will foster jihadists, groups like Al-Qaeda and like Islamic State, and will be, I think, you know, a, a greater danger than they were before 9-11. There's no other country in the world like that. There are, there are countries that are problematic. Um, and, you know, for example, British forces have troops deployed at the moment in Mali, where there is also another global jihadist problem in, inside Mali. Uh, and, and the rest of that part of Africa. And, and yeah, we've got troops on the ground trying to deal with that, as have the French, have, 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 have other countries. Uh, and there are various other countries where we've also got troops on the ground. So it's not true to say that we don't do that in other countries which pose a terrorist threat. Where possible, what we do, though, is we try and enforce and support and rely on, help and train the local forces to, to actually do the job rather than us do it. But of course, as we can see, that hasn't worked in Afghanistan. That doesn't work in Afghanistan. So we do need troops on the ground. And, um, you know, it was a relatively small footprint in, in Afghanistan for several years. As, 
in, from, from all countries. Uh, and it, it, that was all it took, though. It only took that small footprint to contain the Taliban, uh, using predominantly using the fighting power of the, of the Afghans, who were doing the, all the fighting in recent years. We weren't. We were, we were maybe supporting them, but not we were helping train them and not fight. So that's, that's, I think that's kind of a, a fake talking point, if you like. The other point relating to the 24 other countries that, that President Biden says are kind of behind this move, I think certainly the NATO Secretary General opposed the, uh, the plans to withdraw over a period of time. The British Defence Secretary says that when the US announced, when President Biden announced the withdrawal and after that, he, he approached all other NATO countries to see if they would be interested in joining a, um, a coalition led by the British without the Americans there. So in other words, a NATO force would remain behind in Afghanistan after the Americans left. And there was not one country interested in doing so, which is a really sad, really bad indictment of NATO. And what it does really, it shows NATO, which is such an important alliance, is such an important alliance, I believe, to make in, in the interest of world peace. But it basically is America. It's America, and if America's not willing to play the pay, you know, play the leading role in NATO operations, then no other country will. Which really, you know, it, it sort of almost suggests that these other NATO countries are window dressing, and that really does need to be addressed. Because, uh, as I say, I think you know we haven't got time to go into it now, but I think NATO is a supremely important alliance and and the other supremely important alliance which i'm very concerned about now is britain and america and and you know i think it's it's essential that our leaders our political leaders and there's been an element in britain there's been an element of sort of pushing the blame for the for the political fallout of this withdrawal pushing it all onto president biden and and it shouldn't be i mean obviously he must take the lion's share of the blame but but British leadership should also take a share of the blame. Um, and, and what I hate to see is, is this causing increased divisiveness between Britain and, and the US, because that is, I, I believe, is the single most important and beneficial strategic partnership in the interests of the free world. How do you uh, explain or Better yet, are you as surprised as most Americans by what appears to be a chaotic withdrawal by the Americans from Afghanistan? It seems like we're, we're stuck in a swamp of quicksand. And uh, at this stage of the game, um, uh, I really don't see how we complete this exit that President Biden has said we will complete by the 31st of August. Um, are you, I mean, quite frankly, it's, uh, it's a big surprise that America wasn't better prepared if it was going to pull the plug to actually pull the plug. Well, I think there's so much in that, Alan. It's so such a problematic uh, situation we face now and the Taliban as you know has proclaimed um, I think it was either yesterday or today the Taliban proclaimed that all Western forces will be out by the 31st there was some, some hope I think and President Biden 
suggested that if, if the mission wasn't accomplished by the 31st of August, there was a possibility US forces would stay on there in Afghanistan until everyone was got out that needed to be. And the Taliban now said, no, that's not going to happen. We don't know. I don't know what will what the outcome of that will be, whether, whether the Taliban uh, enforce that by carrying out attacks against our troops at the airport, we will have to see. Um, but but th this uh, this situation, I don't think it was entirely predictable. I think I think some kind of chaotic situation like this was certainly predictable when President Biden made his decision to withdraw. Um, and and, the, and you know I think many people did, and, and and many more could have foreseen something like it. Not not necessarily this Saigon-like uh, disastrous situation, the humiliation of all our countries. Um, as they, you know, we hear President Biden when he's in, in, when he spoke a couple of nights ago, I think, saying, you know, we will get out as long as the Taliban are happy. So for the first time ever, I've heard of President of the United States um, essentially accepting that there is no U.S. power. We are in the hands of the Taliban, of some terrorist mob, which is an extraordinary admission to make as we get close to the anniversary of 9-11. Um, but he personally, by his decision making, led us to where we are because one he 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 didn't give the afghans enough time the afghan government and security forces enough time to prepare and plan for a totally different situation they would face when the americans left the afghan government i believe were were in denial about the us leaving and they needed more time after he'd made his real final decision in may i think to um to pull out, they needed more time to get used to that and to be persuaded it actually was going to happen, and this and for us to help them prepare for it. And had had that happened, then I think we would not have seen this total collapse. It it probably there would have been a collapse, I should think. And, and earlier, around you know the time that he was making the de declaration of withdrawal, the U.S. intelligence were saying it'll be three months. The government can stand for three months, which may have been the case if longer had been going. And the second factor, which I think led to this disaster, was that he did it now. In other words, he did it at the height of the Taliban fighting season, when they are at the most powerful. And if he'd left till October or maybe later in, in, into the winter, um, when the Taliban fighting season is finished, and they, they're, yeah, they're, they have some activity, but it's not anything like the level that it's at now. And again, the chances of this disaster happening, again, the... the, the the government would probably have fallen, the, the army would have collapsed, but it would have taken longer. So we would have seen the, you know, the withdrawal of Western forces happening without being basically with the Taliban at their heels. Um, and I think the, the, the other element of this final bit is that um, you, uh, what you were saying right just now in your question was absolutely right. Why were... Why, why were our countries not planning and preparing for this withdrawal back when the decision was taken? They waited until really this the country started falling apart. Now, yeah, of course, the planning had been done for, for, a, for the withdrawal, but it hadn't been executed. You know, we could have got many, many of these people out over the last three months uh, or more uh, easily. And, and, and the, the task would have probably been finished before now. And we wouldn't be facing this disaster. So, again, it is it is abject humiliation by because of um, very, very poor political decision making, which certainly could have been done differently.
Well, Colonel Richard Camp, I want to thank you for taking the time to share your important insights into what is front page news uh, in the United States and around the world and the impact that this withdrawal will have on the United States, on international terrorism. And uh, I thank you for taking the time and um, we look forward to having you again as a guest. Thank you, Alan, it's a great pleasure. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Take care, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Code Red Podcast. Be sure to click subscribe to stay up to date and be the first to hear about our future podcast. You can also find and subscribe to the Code Red Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube.